Hello and welcome to The Personal Investor. I'm Ed Monk. Today on the show, while much of the investing world struggles with changes going on in the world today, could sustainable projects offer the alternative that investors are looking for? As nations refocus on the long-term security of basics like food, water and energy, some assets are set to thrive. Our guest this week, Nick Scullion of Foresight Partners, thinks he knows which ones. If you enjoy the show, please rate us, share us or leave a comment wherever you get your podcasts. The world has turned pretty hostile this year for many of the traditional assets that investors have relied upon. Both mainstream stock markets and bonds have suffered as we rapidly reassess a fast-changing world. Crises in energy and commodity supply, a potential retreat of globalisation and yet further evidence of climate change means nations have to focus much more on providing basics like food, safe water and sustainable power. Which investments have the potential to support and prosper alongside that trend? To answer that, I'm pleased to say that I'm joined by Nick Scullion, Head of Foresight Capital Partners and a fund manager investing in these areas. Nick, welcome along. Um, Why don't you start, Nick, by explaining the work that you and Foresight do in connection with this theme of sustainability? Yes, of course. And thank you for having me. So Foresight Group is a sustainable uh, sustainability-led investment manager focusing on alternative assets and SME investing in the UK. Uh, we have an innovative product range and a diverse set of investors. We divert, we uh, get our products across to retail investors, intermediated investors, and also some of the largest institutional investors in the world. We focus on investment strategies that are aligned with some of the key themes affecting the planet and affecting the environment, um, but also affecting society. So um, we're contributing to a resilient, decarbonized world um, and also creating the jobs that empower tomorrow's economy. So that's Foresight Group as a whole. We're a listed business. Um, But Foresight Capital Management, which is the team that I manage, uh, we're a team of 10 public market specialists that focus on bringing this hard to access asset class to investors that want diversification in their portfolios. So we invest into companies that invest into um, real assets uh, that have inflation protection, which is very important at the moment. And we're very focused on sustainability as a central theme of our investment strategies. We currently manage 1.7 billion across four investment strategies focused on real assets and sustainable equities. And that that, that phrase you use, real assets, uh, we're going to get into all sorts of these areas. But um, just at a high level, what does that mean versus some of the other securities and investments and assets that people might be investing in? So when we're talking about real assets, we really mean fundamentally something that you can hit with a hammer, something you can visit, something that is a real physical asset rather than a financial instrument. So we're looking at things like um, wind turbines. We're looking at things like energy generation assets, hospitals, roads, schools, bridges, things that provide critical services for society and communities. Okay. Okay. Well, we're going to talk a lot about this uh, this word sustainability, this theme that, um, that that you've mentioned there. I thought we could spend some time looking at both the long term drivers of those trends, but also uh, the short term as well, because there's so much going on. But starting with the long term, Nick, what's been changing in the world that means we're going to have to focus more and more on sustainability? Yeah, of course. So when we take the long view, there are really some structural changes that are going on. And when you think about one of the main ones that people often think about, it's the energy system. How do we procure our energy? How do we use it? Um, And if you think about some of the commitments that we've made as a developed series of nations and and developing nations, if we're going to stay within a two degree world, that requires huge investment in generation storage, usage, efficiency of energy, um, and also a more aware consumer base powers that demand. So individual people who are procuring energy um, are more aware of where it comes from and the costs that it incurs. 
if you think about the social impacts um, that companies have on society, I think there's more will than ever um, to have a positive social impact alongside an environmental one. And, you know, you mentioned there the issue of, of climate change and climate targets. They're obviously uh, issues that have been going on for some time now. It doesn't mean we're there or anything like it in terms of what we need to be doing. But uh, we've known about that issue for a long time. There are, of course, much more short term issues and some dramatic ones going on at the moment. Um, how do you see the events of this year, geopolitically and in the global economy, accelerating the need for sustainable projects? So when we've been talking about the change in the energy system in the last few years, we've been focused on decarbonisation as the theme. I think this year's events have really thrown energy security into sharp relief. Um, so you're thinking about you know, the, the Russian invasion, um, how's that changed how the world procures its energy? Well, what we expect to come out of that is that clearly there'll be disruption in supply and demand, um, but renewables and nuclear, um, I think, will come back into focus as a way of delivering affordable, sustainable, secure energy, which is, the official, is a classic trilemma. Yeah. And I mean, one thing that I think people perhaps don't always understand when it comes to sustainable energy, uh, how is it affected? How is the price affected of it affected by what's going on, say, with the gas market or the oil price or what have you? They're connected. But how exactly? It is, of course, very complex because all of the different elements of energy generation feed into the availability and the demand of other parts of energy. Um, however, what I would say is when we're looking at um, renewable energy and real asset investing, we're focused within our investment strategies on stable, long-term, predictable cash flows because the providers of this energy have contracted the output for the long term, for the most part. So that might be a government subsidy, it might be a long-term power purchase agreement, and that just evens out some of the ebbs and flows, rises and falls, that volatility from power markets. And, and you know, you've, you've touched on some of them, you've talked about... Um the roads or wind turbines or whatever it is what are the underlying assets that investors can expect to be supporting with their money if they're investing in in the kind of fund that you run well perhaps a, a good element to focus on here is just what's happened politically in the US. So pretty seismic change from the Inflation Reduction Act. Um, this is policy that we've seen um, produce a major breakthrough in terms of the next 10 years. And it's going to be 260 billion, which is earmarked for the energy transition. Um, so that's strong tailwinds for things like electric vehicles, renewable energy, um, carbon capture, hydrogen and nuclear. And it should have a really material impact. So it should reduce carbon emissions by around 40% by 2030. Okay. And, and in investment terms, um, how do these assets behave? I mean, we, you, you've spoken there about this, the security and the stability of the income potentially. Uh, we've seen how stocks and bonds have moved this year, adjusting to higher inflation and rates. How do those things affect the kind of projects that you're talking about? So when we're thinking about real asset infrastructure, one of the key attractions is this stable long term cash flow profile where it's highly creditworthy counterparties like governments or blue chip corporates that are paying the bills. And importantly, you've got that inflation linkage mechanically and contractually embedded within those cash flows. So what you're seeing is that these are stable assets often with a secure income stream, with someone at the other end of the contract that's likely to pay the bill um, and not be suff not suffer from you know, a, a recessionary environment that's going to put them out of business. Um, so whilst everything we invest into in my team is listed, and there might be some short-term sentiment volatility, the fundamental business and the fundamental assets are very stable, secure, and low volatile. And it's it seems to me, you know, these assets... 
um, on the one hand, they enjoy that element of, of inflation protection. Um, they're obviously uh, in demand in terms of safe. I mean, I know renewable energy is not the whole of it, but certainly something like that has great attractions. But it would seem to me that that, that would be impacted by the long term um, effect of interest rates going up, for example, maybe eroding the uh, income that's generated. So what's been happening with the price and uh, the, uh, of the performance within within the fund? It's a very good question. And of course, on the one hand, you have inflation and the other hand, you have interest rates. And they're this sort of twin power that you have to navigate. Well, the capital values of infrastructure assets tends to be reduced by rising interest rates. There's a number of factors at play there, not least the type of return that you can get from other assets within your portfolio. We uh, fundamentally um, you know, invest for cash flows and assets that have a strong degree of inflation protection. Now, that helps you in a rising interest rate environment, especially if the reason that central bankers are acting to, to rise interest rates is in reaction to inflation. Because if you're invested in an asset which has a contractual revenue uplift every year in line with CPI, then that means that for every year that inflation is running hot, you're getting an increased revenue stream from that asset. And that offsets the valuation loss that you might see from rising interest rates. Yeah. And I think I'm right to say that's that's been borne out this year in terms of performance versus the wider stock market. Absolutely. If you look at the performance of, of real asset infrastructure, you're seeing a profile of stability, you're seeing good income generation, and you're seeing fundamental downside protection versus global equity indices. Okay. And, and finally then, Nick, what about the risks in this area? Does it matter, for example, you know, for anyone thinking about getting into this uh, as an alternative to, to some of their other investments, does it matter that valuations might be quite high already? What's your outlook? So valuations have certainly risen as these demands come into more demand and people are looking for diversification. I think the question really highlights a key issue of um, active management here. It means that you need to have an investment manager uh, looking for opportunities, selecting which portions of the market are overheated, which are not. There is certainly deep um, potential for, for, for further gains within specific subsectors within infrastructure. And I think when you think about foresight groups, knowledge and experience managing, selling, buying, optimizing infrastructure assets on a global basis, um, you can see why an active managed strategy from a company like Foresight Group might be a good proposition. And, and finally, 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 you talk about the experience there of working in this area. I mean, it's not quite like, you know, a stock market fund manager who's who's got thousands of potential investments out there. Presumably, your universe is, is somewhat more limited. How how does your job compare to, say, the fund manager who is has got the whole world stock market to, to choose from? Well, in some ways it's easier, in some ways it's harder. Uh, we have, on, you know, for the Foresight Global Real Infrastructure Fund, for example, which is our global proposition, we have a universe, a bespoke universe that we've created, which is about 130 companies, about 400 billion sterling market cap. Um, so we know exactly the pond that we're fishing in. It means that we um, have a very defined um, access point to those companies and those assets. Um, however, it means that we don't have 4,000, 5,000 companies in developed markets to pick from. Um, but we can get very close to those companies, very close to the assets, really appraise what the top tier of those companies is, um, rather than taking a slightly less deep, um, more uh, thinly spread approach to due diligence. Okay. Okay. Well, Nick, we've covered loads. So uh, thanks for your time. That's all the time that we have for now. Thank you. Thanks very much, Ed. You've been listening to the Money Talk podcast. 
Check fidelity.co.uk for daily written updates and articles on these and other topics from across Fidelity in the UK. And subscribe via iTunes to get the podcast downloaded direct to your devices every week. Please note that the value of investments and the income from them can go down as well as up, so you may get back less than you invest. Investors should note that the views expressed may no longer be current and may have already been acted upon. This information is not a personal recommendation for any particular investment. If you are unsure about the suitability of an investment, you should speak to one of Fidelity's advisors or an authorised financial advisor of your choice. Overseas investments will be affected by movements in currency exchange rates and investments in emerging markets can be more volatile volatile than other more developed markets. Reference to the specific securities should not be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell these securities and is included for the purposes of illustration only. Tax treatment depends on individual circumstances and all tax rules may change in the future. Withdrawals from a pension product may not be possible until you reach age 55, 57 from 2028. This podcast may not be reproduced or circulated without prior permission. No statements or representations made in this podcast are legally binding on Fidelity or the recipient. This podcast is meant only for UK residents and does not constitute an offer or a solicitation in any jurisdiction in which it may be unlawful to make such an offer or solicitation.